Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Topic is King and the Kingdom, and Pastor RJ is going to come uh, to the stage. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. It's been a while since I've been up here. It's good to see some of you all. So a couple things before we get started today. <laughs> yeah, just some of you missed me, I know. <laughs> Number one, um, I, was, I was laughing um, with Pastor Steve because he was asking me, well, why do you always keep a coffee in your hand or a tea or a hot water or whatever? I was like, the truth is because I can't do two services if I don't keep something hot on my throat, my voice starts to crack. And for years, I've... I've um, always had a, a coffee or tea. He goes, well, you should probably tell people why you do that. I was like, oh, that's why. So usually by second service, whatever I have at first is just filled with hot water again, and there's a little bit of whatever was in there. But um, anyway, not that you care, but so you know. Hey, we still love you. Second thing I was laughing about, um, you know, Wednesday nights have been powerful. And, and I know some of you are able to come and some of you aren't able to come, but if you're able to come, uh, you'll be blessed. Worship night was powerful. Prayer night, powerful. Holy Spirit night, powerful. They've been a, they've been a great opportunity to just connect with the Creator and see uh, the Holy Spirit activate in people's lives, including our own. And then um, the other thing I want to talk about at the beginning before I kind of get into the message was um, that class that Kieran was just talking about. It's actually... Highly recommended. I, I, I recommend all of you go there. It does run every month. So if you can't make this one, um, it'll start again in a month. And um, it runs for eight weeks. So there'll be actually two classes running at the same time. But I'll encourage you, um, especially if you've ever been like wondering about where your place is in the body of Christ, where do I fit in, what's my calling, what's my purpose, that class is uh, really a good um, stepping tool for you so that you could find that uh, place. And then... Um, Oh yeah, I had one more thing. Wow, I had a whole list for you today. So I just, I, I realized over the last couple of weeks, because we've had a couple guest speakers in, and we haven't been doing that so much. And, and I'm a soft, I'm a soft sell. In other words, I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I'm going to tell you that, you know, you're supposed to pay tithes to Christ, because that's what He asked us to do, to give a tenth. Uh, offerings are above and beyond that. If we want blessing and multiplication inside of our life, you know, we teach the financial principles um, I don't like to get into these emotional appeals. Okay, I'm just not, uh, maybe it's just me. I don't want to do an emotional appeal. But however, um, so in my effort to not belabor it sometimes, uh, people miss the point. <laughs> so whenever a guest speaker comes in, it's an opportunity for you to partake in blessing and sow into their life and their ministry. And um, so I'll come up and say, hey, everyone, don't forget, guest speaker, you can give on the app, you can give at the... You know, but I'll encourage all of you when you see someone else up here that's not a part of what we're doing on a regular basis, um, they're a guest. So we want to honor the gift that's in them, right? And, and uh, I'll encourage you all to partake of that. And 
If you're struggling with finances, I'm going to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit how much more he wants you to give. Oh, and I saw Brenda got the look from Maryland today. That was awesome. Someone said to me, can they do that every week? I was like, we can arrange it. So we're going to start a short series today as we go into Easter. And, uh, you know, we have our celebrations for Easter in a few weeks, but I want to I throw this out there foundationally as we go into the king and his kingdom as we're talking about these concepts of the kingdom. Is it possible that we as Christians today in 2022 don't have a proper kingdom mindset or a kingdom attitude, and as a result of that, we lack the kingdom conviction and the power that accompanies it? Because so many people, oh, why don't we see, or why isn't this happening, or why is, and I'm like, the truth is, a lot of people that call themselves Christians don't live in the kingdom of God. They live in the kingdom of this world, and then they try to play church. Okay? And let's go back foundationally. Israel, when it was founded, it was a theocracy, or it was a state governed by divine guidance or officials who represented deities. So you know, back in the days, even Moses, you know, he represented God to the people because they didn't want to talk to God face to face. He was, he was happy to let God talk to them face to face, but the people were afraid. If you're living in light, here's a thought. You're not afraid of light. But if you're living in darkness, you're not going to like the light. If there's darkness in your life, the light exposes the darkness in your life and that makes you uncomfortable. So usually when we're preaching the scriptures of the word of God and you start feeling uncomfortable, there might be some darkness in your life that the word of God is trying to uproot. Likely. So simply put in the theocracy, God was the king. And then later, the people of Israel, they were looking around at the other nations. So they were comparing themselves to the other nations and they were like, we want a king. God, the Amorites have a king. The Philistines have a king. Everyone else has a king. Why can't we have a king? And God gave them what they wanted. He gave them a king. Boy, did they regret that. So Saul came in. That was the one God chose, Saul. And then Saul disobeyed God. So God removed him and put David in who also disobeyed God, but David repented, whereas Saul didn't. And, and, you know, David is the lineage from which Christ came onto planet Earth. Christ the Messiah came to planet Earth through David. Jesus is the one true king of heaven and earth. If Jesus is the king, it's reasonable for us to conclude he has to have a kingdom. You tracking with me? Now, a kingdom is a politically organized community or a major territorial unit having a monarchical, monarchical form of government headed by a king or a queen. A monarch is one who reigns over a kingdom. A monarch, the preeminent position of power or authority. Catching me? The Old Testament predicted that one day the king was going to come to planet Earth, the king. We doing okay? How we doing? You tracking with me? 
Okay. Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, I love that language, will come from you on my behalf. And then in Isaiah 7.14, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see through the Old Covenant, there was these prophecies that pointed to the fact that the king was going to come. And every good Jewish boy that had memorized the Old Testament up until the time that Christ came, right? That's what they did. They memorized it. Not just the books of the law by the time they were 12 or 13. They memorized the entire Old Testament by the time they were 18. They knew that the Messiah was going to come and that the Messiah was going to be the king. You tracking with me? Now, the thing was, it seems, and you see this throughout the entire ministry of Jesus as he interacts with his disciples, they thought he was going to overthrow the Romans and set up his kingdom on earth right then. There was just a little bit of a timing challenge there. In your life, how many know God does everything exactly as you think he should, when you think he should, on the timeline you think he should do it? You are not alone. <laughs> God works on his own timeline, according to his own purposes, according to his wisdom, which is far greater than mine or yours, or all of our wisdom put together. Now, Jesus was given the throne of David as king, and he will reign forever, and he's currently reigning. In Luke 1, I find this very interesting. In verse 32 and 33, the angel Gabriel came, and he says, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of who? His ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. You hear that? As his birth was being announced, it's talking about the king and his kingdom. Right at the beginning of his life, the king and his kingdom. In Matthew 2, 1 and 2, the wise men come and they announced his kingship as well. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, who was a king, natural king. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Can you imagine you go to the current sitting king and you say, hey, where's the newborn king? Herod was a little territorial of that position. He wiped out every kid on the whole region under the age of two, trying to protect his throne and his lineage. But I'm telling you, when the wise men came, it wasn't just three guys that showed up on camels. It would have been a whole caravan that came into town, including armed soldiers. That would have got everybody's attention, especially the Romans. And in those days... The ones in the east that came in on the heavy cavalry and the light cavalry, they shredded the Roman troops with their, with their tactics. That's why they came up into Europe and down. They didn't go out east and try to conquer because <laughs> they couldn't. <laughs> right at the beginning of his life, he was recognized as king. This is Jesus in that he has a kingdom. I find it interesting, he was referred to as the king of the Jews, and then at his death, Pilate also at his trial referred to him as 
king of the Jews. Watch, John 18, 33 to 38. Then Pilate went back to his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. And Jesus replied, is this your own questions or did others tell you about me? Jesus had this way of looking right through people and addressing the heart of the matter. Pilate really wanted to know. <laughs> Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted? Your own people or leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. Amen. Jesus had it figured. He knew his kingdom was an eternal one that wasn't a temporary natural one. But if it was a, if it was a natural one, he would have took over the earth at that time and set up his kingdom at that time. It just wasn't God's plan. So we're going to get to Revelation in a few verses where God says, now it's time, and he's going to come down, and he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. Amen. Pilate said, so are you a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify the truth. Hmm. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and said, he's not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews? How did Pilate refer to him? As the king of the Jews. In 1 Timothy 6, 15, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of kings and lord of all lords. So now in the New Testament, he has a new title, not just king of the Jews. He's the king of all kings. That means every king that's ever been named has to submit to and bow to Jesus Christ, the King of all kings Amen. and the Lord of all lords. Okay? In 19, Revelation 19, 6, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. You tracking with me? Jesus has a title, King of kings. He's the King of all kings. Now, I've got a couple more here and then I'm going to go into some explanation. Ephesians 1, 20 to 22, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Did he say some things? If God's put all things under the authority of Christ, do you know that any situation you're facing right now is actually under the authority of Christ? Any circumstance you're walking through is under the authority of Christ. Any situation that you think is too difficult for, it's under the authority of Christ. And he's made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. A guy named Clayton Kirby, he made a comment and he said, the church is in effect a colony of Christ's heavenly kingdom. So now I'm gonna talk about from the king, we've established Jesus as the king, and now we're gonna talk about his kingdom. When Jesus was here on earth, he began essentially his ministry with the message, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 4, 17, and Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus started talking about the kingdom. I find it interesting in Acts 1, 3, after he resurrected from the dead and the 40 days he was with the disciples, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about what? He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he was the king and he had to explain how the kingdom works to his disciples. 
you need to understand the kingdom of God. You need to understand how to interact with and relate to the king. If we struggle in our understanding of this, we're going to struggle in our Christian journey. He concluded his time with the disciples with much conversation on this topic. Now, here's where we run into challenges here on planet Earth. Especially over here in the West, we humans, we live in a democracy. I wasn't even supposed to be funny. But here's how democracy is supposed to work, okay? Actually... If you live in a democracy and you think like people in a democracy and you act like people in a democracy, you're going to possibly lack an understanding of some of the differences between kingdom and democracy. And if you don't understand these differences, you're in for a rude awakening. Let me highlight some things, and, and I can't possibly go into all of them, but I just want to highlight some. In democracy, people elect politicians who make laws. If the politicians are under God, in other words, morality and justice get maintained and the culture will thrive. If they're not under God, we tend to drift towards lawless and meaningless because they become very selfish and it becomes all about me. Okay? That's the problem with democracy. Now, in a kingdom, the king decrees the law. His law is final, period. Yes. Now, in the case of King Jesus, he's benevolent and loves justice and mercy towards you. So this is actually a good thing for you. Because you have a king who has your best interest in mind. Even though you don't always feel that way. Even though sometimes your experience in this fallen, sinful world doesn't line up with what you know to be true. So we've got this king. Now, if you get a king over a kingdom and he is not just, the people suffer. Okay. In a democracy, if you don't like the laws, you vote the politicians out and get new ones. In a kingdom, you don't get a vote. You don't get to vote for the king. I mean, how many of you voted for King Jesus to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How many think God really cares? In democracy, people protest when they disagree with laws. You don't get to protest in the kingdom. Can you see where this creates a problem for us here as Christians in 2022? We live in a democracy. Well, God, that verse about not committing adultery. That verse about fornication. That warning about drunkenness, selfishness, covetousness. Shall I continue? The Bible gives us lots of warnings. It defines what is right and what is wrong. The king gets to do that. We can debate all day about what we think is right and what we think is wrong. But the king has already established it. Amen. If all authority is under him, it doesn't matter what people think. 
Your opinion doesn't count, and I know you don't want to hear that in 2022. Because you grew up, and it was all about me feeling good about who I am, and me belonging and being accepted, which is not a bad thing. But my opinion rules the day, and what I think is right is right. In a democracy, you get to choose how you live your life because you're a citizen. In a kingdom, your life is service to the king, you're a subject. Okay? If you are a Christian living in the kingdom of God, you need to understand something. Your life is subject to the will of the king. You don't get to live your life how you want. You don't get to do what you want. There's a lot of things you want to do that God says, no, don't do it. There's a lot of things you don't want to do when he's saying you need to do this. It's good for you. It's good for the kingdom. But when we don't understand this, we argue with God, we wrestle with God, we disobey God, and then we end up miserable. In democracy, you're allowed to have an opinion on what you think is right or wrong, and you vote accordingly, or at least I hope you vote accordingly. In the kingdom, the king determines what's right or wrong, period. Conversation stops. As Christians, your primary citizenship is heaven first. Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. If your citizenship is in heaven, then what does that mean about your relationship to people here on earth? We're actually ambassadors. Ambassadors are high-ranking diplomats at a foreign place. They represent the country or the sovereign who sent them. Doesn't the Bible actually say that in 2 Corinthians 5? 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ. You are here to represent Christ and his interest here on planet Earth. You're an ambassador. Ambassadors don't get to enforce their own will, their own way. They represent the sovereign who sent them or the country who sent them. And they have to speak and live and act in alignment with that. God has set the standard for you already. He's made it easy. You don't have to figure it out. It's pretty black and white in the book. Yeah. It's quite simple, the kingdom life. We love God, we love others. It's simple. He laid it out simple. When you obey God's will and you activate it, the kingdom of heaven is present in your life. Ah, oh, some of you are like, what? Okay, let's go back to something very basic. How many remember the Lord's Prayer? Why don't you just say it with me? Ready? Our Father who 
Hallowed thy Stop. What did you just say? Thy thy When the will of God is being accomplished in the earth, the kingdom of God is present. It's not complicated. When we lay hands on the sick, guess what? The will of God is being accomplished. The kingdom of God is present. When you lead the lost to Christ, the kingdom of God is present. When you minister to the poor, the needy, the broken, guess what? The kingdom of God is present. When you clothe people, when you feed people, when you love people, the kingdom of God has come. Are you catching this? I assure you, the kingdom of God is here, it's present, and it's expanding globally. The kingdom of God is present. It's within us. And when you obey God and you do what he tells you to do and instructs you to do, whether you want to or not, as a subject, not a citizen, right? The kingdom has come. And the kingdom expands. The question is, some of you don't want to be ambassadors. You're ashamed to be an ambassador. I don't know about you, but I'm a part of the greatest kingdom that ever existed, and it's an eternal kingdom that's never going to end, and its ruler is just and fair and true. Why would you be ashamed of that? And what is so messed up on our planet when people are ashamed of justice and truth? Why would you feel intimidated by people who represent a kingdom that's on its way out the door? Christ will ultimately rule and reign over heaven and earth, and all persons are going to acknowledge his lordship, his kingship, and they're going to bow before him. In Revelation eleven fifteen, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud voice shouting in heaven, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I want you to understand something. Satan knows that his ability to operate in the earth has a number on its days. It's limited. It's got an expiry date. There's a day coming where he's going to be judged and thrown into a pit forever. Okay? Now, Jesus already beat him. Now he's just executing and allowing the kingdom of God to take over the earth step by step by step through people just like you and I. Okay? God is the king. God is just. God is loving. He is truth. I think I even heard Jesus say that in the scripture earlier. I am here to testify to truth. What's the truth? Who is God? What is his nature? Who has he made you to be? What is your identity in Christ? Are you an ambassador? Or are you rejected and off to the side? How do you see yourself? Where do you stand in relationship to God? Are you in relationship? Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Are you trying to get to know him? Or are you not interested because you want to pursue your own agenda? See, Jesus is here. His kingdom is expanding. His power is already established. And in his grace and his mercy, he hasn't judged the earth because he wants to give everyone a chance to repent. He's wise, he's loving, he's benevolent. 
But the only reason that the earth has not been destroyed is because he wants to give you every opportunity to get your life right with him. And there's other people out there that he wants to give every opportunity for them to get their life right with him. Even the people you don't like so much. As Mark Gunger says, even the people that fry your Puerto Rican pancakes. <laughs> he's a Christian guy that talks about marriage and he's kind of funny. First John 1, 8 to 10. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. See, we were all born into this world with this propensity to sin or this tendency towards sin. Every one of us. And at some point, we all broke God's law and became a sinner. You only have to break one law to become a sinner, and then you're guilty of all of it. The consequence for breaking God's law is death, physical death, eternal separation from him and the saints. Okay? We know this foundationally, but do we live that way? Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. That's why he came through a virgin, through the seed of woman, not through the seed of man, so that propensity to sin wasn't passed down to him. So he kind of lived like Adam lived, with the ability to conquer sin and overcome it. See, now, the only way you can conquer sin is if you have a new nature. When we accept the sacrifice on the cross and understand that our allegiance has to change from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of self, to the kingdom of our God. And when you lay down your crown, king, queen, and you kneel to the king of kings, it changes the way you live. It changes everything. But the truth is, how many are truly submitted to the king? Because I don't know about you, but when I interact with people every day, even my own life, my flesh wants to pick up my crown and put it back on my head, and I want to be the king. And this is what I want to do. But my spirit says, you bow to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The king has a kingdom. Our king is loving. Our king is benevolent. He's kind. He loves justice that actually allows us to thrive as individuals. If you take any other person and put them in the place of king, I assure you at some point they will become selfish and they will make rules and laws according to their flesh. In simple terms, let's loop back. Do you determine what is right and wrong? Does the government determine what's right or wrong? Or does the high king determine what's right and wrong? See, I said earlier, democracy works when people fear God. But as soon as the fear of the Lord leaves the culture, democracy falls apart. We may be living in a time where we see that now, globally. Globally. 
okay? Globally, we're seeing this because why? It's not even, and, and even in a kingdom on the earth that doesn't have Jesus at the top of it, the king might be just, but you can't guarantee that the next level of humans is going to be. And how many times throughout history have you seen good kings with bad leadership? And it destroys the kingdom. So we serve a good king. We serve a good God. But the thing is, we want to argue with him about his instructions to us. If Jesus says, go and make disciples, and, and how did Karen say it? Who make disciples, who make disciples? Right? That's the D2L, the design to lead orientation. And, and, and the reason that we want to teach you to make disciples is because that's a biblical command. That's what the king has instructed us to do. In fact, one of his final statements was go and make disciples, teaching them to obey, baptizing them, right? Didn't he say those things? He said a few, a few more things. You need to know what he said so that you know how you're supposed to live. But if you're not going out into the culture as an ambassador, then what are you going out into the culture as? Who do you represent? Your own kingdom or his kingdom? It's hard to do both. Are you putting your best foot forward? Or are you representing Christ? I can't answer that for you. I can only challenge you Submit to the king of kings. It makes all the difference. That doesn't mean that life is not without hardship or challenge. Can I suggest to you that in any war, there's going to be casualties? I didn't even have time to develop this, but I was thinking about this story where David, okay, has his men with him. And just, he's kind of talking under his breath, and he's like, oh, I would love to have some water from that brook over in the Philistine territory. And what happens? Two of his men heard him say that. It wasn't a directive. It wasn't a command. They just loved their kings so much. They loved their leaders so much that they went through enemy territory behind enemy lines in the middle of a war, and they brought him back a drink from that place. And then David was so humbled and awed and mystified by how much these guys valued him, he poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. He didn't even get what he wanted because he understood that there was a higher king than he was. But in your life, what is it that you want? And even if you get it, are you willing to lay it down at the foot of the cross? We live in a kingdom. We want to do the will of the king. As long as your will is in the way, it's going to create argument in your mind. You're going to struggle. It's not going to work out how you think it's supposed to. And we loop. God's patient, but we loop. And we loop. And we loop. And we loop. And we end up right back where we started, and we go, oh, man, this sucks. Do not pass go, do not collect too much. <laughs> Don't you feel that way sometimes? But thank God his grace is sufficient. Why don't you stand up with me?
We're talking about the king and his kingdom. You know, as you're standing here today, I want you to just look within. Look at your own heart for a moment and you need to really gauge and ask yourself the question, am I really surrendered to my king? And maybe some of you haven't had an opportunity to pledge your allegiance to the king. The way that you get into the kingdom of God is repentance. God, I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not looking to you for wisdom and guidance. God, I need your forgiveness because I've broken your law and you repent. You turn your life around and you start walking a different direction. If you've never repented of your sin and given your life to Christ, I wanna give you that opportunity today. I want you to come and talk to me. I want you to come down to the front and talk to me. Because it's really important that you make sure your allegiance is in the right place. And see, the covenant meal that we're gonna to go to communion right now is for the citizens or the subjects of the kingdom, the people that are in the kingdom of heaven. If you're not in the kingdom of heaven, it's not your covenant meal, because who are you in covenant with? If you're not in covenant with Christ, then what is your, what is your allegiance to? And if you're in covenant with Christ, then your will becomes submitted to his will and your plans become submitted to his plan and your heart is willing to do what he's asked you to do and you partake of the covenant meal. And with the covenant meal comes the promise that he brings healing, comes the promise that he grants forgiveness, comes the promise that he's freed us from the curse of the law. We don't have to be slaves to sin. Fathers, we have the bread in our hand today. We lay our lives down at your feet. All the good stuff that we've accomplished, all the accolades that we've received, all the hard work that we put in, all the time we did to get our due, and we lay it down at your feet. And others, Lord, we take the pain and the hurt and the shame and the brokenness that this world system has created and we lay it down at your feet. And we exchange our pain for peace. And we exchange our arrogance and our accomplishments for humility because we want to live as your subjects in your kingdom. And Lord, we say corporately today, your wish is our command. Whatever you like, Lord. Where you want me to go, I'll go. And what you want me to do, I'll do. And what you want me to say, I'll say. Help us to obey you instantly, Father. And to truly represent you to the nation, to the people around us, to the planet that we could exhibit your love and your grace and your mercy as you want us to. We cast off our selfish ambition and our pride and we take on the humble servant nature of Christ to serve humanity today. 
In Jesus' name. We have the blood of Jesus. Father, the blood of Jesus is powerful. And it liberates us from a life of sin. And it seals our forgiveness and our freedom. Fathers, we stand in your presence today. I thank you that the power of God is being released in your people today. Lord, that we are your instruments of healing and we are your instruments of restoration and we are your people who love you and who serve you no matter what the cost. We lay our lives down at your feet and surrender. We choose to release and to forgive. Free us from the anger and the resentment and the bitterness that finds its way in our hearts. We lay it down at your feet. And help us, Father, to be the people that take your glory to the four corners of the earth. That our lives will never be the same and that we can take the hope we have and share it with others so that their lives will never be the same because they really need the hope that we have. In Jesus' name. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go be the church. Amen.